All right, thank you, brothers. You can see there we have the handout on qualities, qualifications for elders, bishops, pastors, shepherds, as we talked last time. And uh, we're going to be working, well, I'm, you can reference that. Uh, I'll be kind of working from that in the lesson. We're going to divide this into two lessons this week and next week. And then uh, what I think we'll do, uh, we'll kind of take a step back after those two, this lesson and next week, do some more prayer and consider uh, as a congregation, the brothers that might be qualified and for the brothers themselves to think about, do they want to serve? Because that's a key thing as we're going to see. And then we'll move forward with, with the process. So, uh, of course, you know we've been talking about the leadership. And last week we talked about the work of the elders, bishops, and what they are called to do. Uh, as we, uh, we move forward with, the, with this, I just want us to, to consider. And uh, we're going to start there with John 7, 24. Uh, you might think this is odd, but I want, want us to be kind and considerate to our brothers who are being considered for this position. They uh, are being held up to intense scrutiny. Their lives are being looked at. They are being compared with the holy word of God. And uh, they're going to be taking a bold step forward if they are nominated and they are chosen to do this. And they'll be, as you can imagine, and I'm sure some of the brothers are already feeling some sense of apprehension, nervousness, because it is a very solemn work that they would be undertaking, not to be taken on frivolously or just offhand. So uh, please do pray about this. We've been asking you to pray, and I continue to ask you to pray about, even as Mike prayed, uh, that we choose men who are qualified and who are willing to serve and are pleasing to God. We're pleasing to God in all this. Jesus said in John 7, 24, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. And believe me, you know, everybody likes to run to the Sermon on the Mount and say, judge not to be not judged. Okay, well, that's just offhand judgment. Jesus said, judge with righteous judgment. Be fair, be honest, get the facts, get information and make an informed decision based upon the, the truth of the situation and based upon the word of God. As it says in 1 Timothy 3.2, and I'm going to be moving back and forth, as you can see from the handout, between 1 Timothy 3.2 and Titus 1. An overseer then must be. They must 
meet these qualifications. They must be. So they'll be under intense scrutiny. Pray for them. The qualities, the qualifications are attainable or God wouldn't have put them out there, right? The Holy Spirit wouldn't have said, put these out there. If nobody could attain to them, then, you know, what's the point? But it is a high standard. It's not sinless perfection. But we're looking for brothers who are mature Christians. And in fact, with a few exceptions, if you look through that sheet, uh, these would apply to any Christian who is seeking maturity, if you think about it. And as we go through this list, you'll see that. Except, you know, husband and one wife, of course, your sisters can't be that, since some of you brothers aren't married. Apt to teach, not everyone is given that ability to teach, and I think there's another one there. But all the rest of them, should apply to every one of us here who are seeking to be mature Christians. And if you see one there that's not, please let me know. So uh, they're, they're not really in a, in a boat here by themselves, if you will. But they are the ones who are under scrutiny and being judged. Okay. Let's understand that to be uh, chosen for this office, this work. It's not simply a reward for good attendance. He's here all the time. Well, that's good, but he still may not be qualified. It's not a popularity contest. Oh, I like him. He's a lot of fun. Okay, well, that's, that's decent, but that still doesn't mean he's qualified. It's not a political campaign about somebody starting to run for elder. Okay, going around shaking hands and all that kind of thing. We're all used to that, right? It's not about potential. He'll grow into it. And even, you know, an elder should continue to grow into Christ, right? He's not attained to some level and he stops. Even he is to set the example in spiritual growth. But it's not... He's not really qualified yet, but he's a good person, and he'll grow into it. Well, no, that's, he must be. He must be qualified. And then it's not about choosing your husband or father or son or a close friend just because they are your family or whatever, okay? They're not, they have to be qualified. Two other thoughts here before we start into the handout. One about desire and availability. 1 Timothy 3.1 says, if a man aspires to the office of overseer. Uh, another translation says desires. He must desire this work. He must want to do it. He can't do it try to do it against his will and say, well, I got chosen, so I have to do it. No, that's not the point. Uh, 
If you recall when we read from Ephesians 4.11 about Jesus giving out the gifts, some men would be called to this leadership role because they have been given that gift of leadership by the Lord and they have been maturing in Christ. It's more like he is answering the call to lead, the call that God has called him to do this. That's what it really is, and he must be willing. He must be desiring it, feeling that urge. And then there's the thought of availability, although this is not directly addressed in Scripture. You've probably encountered this uh, maybe in other congregations or heard about it. The man must be able and available to do the work. And two thoughts came to mind uh, you know, he may have a job that requires him to travel a lot and he's not around. He might be qualified, but if he's not around to do the work, he should not accept the, the position, nor should he be chosen. And another one which you may have heard about, his own personal health. If he is in such bad health that he can't do the work. And uh, we've probably all experienced or heard about some elders when they get of age, they just cannot function anymore. They, they don't have the energy, they're too sick, whatever, chronic illness, and they can't do the work. So they must be available to do the work as well. Okay. We have the handouts. You can see there I have kind of group this in uh, it's either four or five different categories. We're going to start with faith, and then we're going to do character and conduct today. You see uh, the different words uh, from three different translations, three of the most popular and three of the ones that are really the most accurate, I believe, uh, of those out there today. So let's look at faith. 1 Timothy 3.6 says not a new convert. One translation says they're not a novice. How new is new? Doesn't say. What's a novice? Doesn't say. You know, here again, we have to use our common sense and uh, kind of look at the person. My thinking would be it's enough time to mature and be proven in life, having come through some of life's situations, circumstances, testing, and also in his serving the Lord. Uh, this, would be, uh, this would be someone who's, who is already serving the Lord. Uh, he's, he's been involved. He's been doing things. Uh, he's not new to this game. Uh, we see this all the time in other areas. Uh, of course, we're in the football season right now. And uh, we have, well, in the college ranks, you've got the, the freshman coming in, right? He's not usually as skilled as the senior. And in the pro ranks, you've got the rookie against the veteran, right? So there's a difference. 
Now that rookie might have a lot of skills and a lot of talents and a lot of speed, but he hasn't really learned the game yet. There's a lot yet that he has to learn and he has to prove himself uh, through the season. Whereas the veteran, he's endured a lot. He's been through games where, as we say, they should have won, but they didn't. They messed up at the end. Or through seasons where they lost. Losing season, terrible thing. How do you respond to that? What do you do? Do you give up and quit? you start carping at the coaches, uh, yell at the ownership? I want to be traded. I want to be on a winner. What do you do? This is the kind of thing you're looking for in a brother. He's been through some things. He's still strong. He's still strong in the Lord. And uh, he's, uh, he's a leader. There's the warning there in 1 Timothy 3.6. Not a new convert, so you will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. I think that's a reference to pride. You know, he's thinking, hey, I've only been a Christian for 18 months. Look at me, I'm already an elder. Wow, this is easy. You know, that's a, that's a sure ticket to uh, his own spiritual downfall and that of the congregation probably as well. So not a new convert, not a novice. Let's go to Titus 1.9. Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching or doctrine. The word of God is the foundation for this brother's life. He knows it is the truth, and he lets it guide him in all that he does. He reads it, he studies it, he believes it, he loves it, and he lives it. He speaks it. You can see it in him. The word of God is on his lips. He knows it. Again, as we talked about the teaching function last time, this doesn't mean he is a a great orator or public speaker, but he is able to teach and talk, and he knows that word of God, but more here, it's the foundation for his life, the word of God, and he knows that that word comes from Jesus, who was the word that became flesh. All right, let's look at character and conduct, back to 1 Timothy 3. I've got to group some of these uh, as I, I saw they were grouped together, and maybe you don't follow or agree totally with these groupings, but I, I think they're pretty decent. From 1 Timothy 3.2 and also Titus 1.8, we see the words, he's temperate, prudent, sensible, and self-controlled. Okay? Now, what does that mean? Well, I... I think that means he's not a sober-faced or sober-sides. He's a human being, okay? But he's sensible. He can think clearly and wisely, and he governs his life through right thinking, all right? He's not just grasping at everything that comes down the road and says, oh, let's try this, oh, let's try that, or this is new, let's do that. 
No, he's not that kind of a person. He's, he's focused on the word of God. He's sensible. He thinks things through. He's not a fool or a goof-off. He's well-balanced. Okay? He's a well-balanced individual. And as I wrote here, the last thought, he knows when to laugh and when to be serious. He's a human being, but he's, he's got it together. 1 Timothy 3.2 says the next thought is respectable. Living a life worthy of respect or honor. The New King James there says of good behavior. He's morally sound. He's a good man. If you would look at him, you'd say he's a good man. He does, he does the right thing. He knows what's right and what's wrong. All right, then we have uh, not addicted to wine. That's in 1 Timothy 3.3 3 and also Titus 1.7. Uh, this, this is interesting here. We might think, well, why is this even brought up? Uh, not addicted to wine. Uh, I think that's because in the day, the wine was the common drink, a common table drink. We think wine, and we, we think of the wine that we have today, but that wine's totally enhanced. It's put in barrels, and uh, there's additives there to increase the alcoholic content. It's not the same kind of wine they had. Their wine was naturally fermented, and it was heavily diluted. So if somebody was addicted to wine, that meant they drank a lot of wine to get addicted to it. Um, so, you know, in the day, they had beer. They had other kind of spirits to drink. Those aren't mentioned here, but see, that's the point. This was a regular thing that was available and they used, and so he should not be addicted to that. Today, we could say, He's not a drunkard. He's not a drunkard. In fact, he's not addicted to anything, such as pornography, gambling. You know, maybe I'm going a little bit outside of this here, but he's not. He's a man of self-control. That's what he is. The next one kind of fits in with that, 1 Timothy 3, 3 and Titus 1, 7. He's free from the love of money, and he's not fond of sordid gain. He knows the right place of money in life, okay? That it's a blessing from God in order for us to live life, uh, to take care of our bills, pay what we owe, and to be a blessing to others, to give to others. He knows the money comes from God, it belongs to God, and we're just stewards. And he's not greedy for it. He doesn't see money as the stuff, the driving force in life, uh, or, or, nor the stuff that money can buy is not the driving force in his life. He's a spiritual man. And most likely, he's a very generous person. He's not... He's not loving money. He, he knows the place of money. Okay, Titus 1.7, not self-willed. I think this is an important one. Well, they're all important, but 
ESV is not arrogant. This man is not selfish and always wanting his own way. And if you think about it, if he's going to be a leader of the congregation, work with other elders, work with deacons, work with the people in the congregation, he can't be that way because he's never going to get anything done. There's always going to be an impasse and a problem. He's not self-willed. He doesn't always think that his way is the best, and he considers others' ideas. We're not talking about he's setting scripture aside. We're not talking about that, but we know there's many things that fall in the areas of opinion or what's the best thing to do and all that. And He's willing to listen. He's willing to, to work through uh, different ideas and compromises with others in order to, to get things done. He's not focused on himself, but upon Christ Jesus and the church. Not self-willed, not arrogant. Okay, Titus 1.8, loving what is good. He knows what is good and what is not, according to the word of God. And this is another big one, especially today. The world is such a mess. Anybody, anybody want to disagree with that? It's in such a mess, people trying to figure out what, what's true, what's right, what's good. It's, uh, and I feel for, uh, Shirley and I were just talking about our grandsons in school. And with, with kids today, they're hearing all kind of stuff, even in school that we never did growing up. And, you know, that dates me. That dates Shirley and some of you. Things are more straightforward. Today, it's a mess. It really is. And even for us adults, as we're trying to sort it all out, what well, you know, what's true about, you know, uh, the sexual thing and, and uh, all these other things that are going on, this man knows what is good, what is right, according to the word of God. And he wants the good for all people. He doesn't want evil for anybody. So he works hard to bring that about. He loves what's good because he knows that the good is best for people. It's always best for people. Good. The good that God ordains. The good that God has in his scriptures for us. You know, we're even hearing these things about people don't want to work today, right? We don't want to work. We don't want to get married. We don't want to have kids. What's the scripture say? Those things are all good. They're all good for mankind. That's God's way of doing things. And so he understands that. So anyway, I'm just throwing some things out there, but it's a real mess today, and this man understands what's good. All right, Titus 1.8. Again, just. He's a just person. The ESV has upright. The word righteous comes to mind, as we know. Just and righteous come from the same word in the Greek. And in my mind, righteous has to do with with his own personal conduct. He does the right thing. He understands what's right according to God's will, and he lives that way. Just, on the other hand, is how he deals with other people 
because of that righteousness in his own heart. He gives people a fair shake. He is not prejudiced. He judges correctly. If you, if you come to him with a situation and he thinks it's good, he'll say, yeah, that's good. You're right. But if you come to him with a situation that says X, Y, Z, he might say, no, that's wrong. That's not good for you. He's a just person. He fairly looks at things according to the word of God, and he'll tell you. He'll tell you what he thinks. Okay, the last one we're going to look at this morning, devout. ESV there has holy. Again, that doesn't mean he's a sinless guy. Okay? But this man is devoted to the Lord. His life is set apart for service to God. He's a man of prayer, a student of the word, and a true worshiper. And that shows in his life. You'll see him living his faith before the world. He's unashamed of Jesus. He's unashamed of the word of God. He's a true man of God. He's a devout and holy person. So as you can see, it's a tall order. But as I said, that's a tall order for all of us because all of those things are what we should be aspiring toward as Christians, right? We really should. So please read 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7, Titus 1, 1 to 9. Read them all, read all that together, okay, and reflect on it and just see. I think the Holy Spirit is, is just kind of painting a picture of this man. I know these individual qualities are there, but he's trying to give us a sense, a description of this person, of this this brother who is qualified and equipped to lead the congregation as a shepherd, as an elder. So please do that. Get a sense of who this man is to be. Lord willing, we'll finish out the rest of that sheet next time. And as we said, Continue to pray. Pray for the brothers. Pray for us as we consider this, that we will be pleasing to God as we move forward, not just with the elders, but again with getting back to the Bible classes. Again, we encourage uh, one of the brothers or two, if you want to teach that one class we need, we need to, we need to have teachers for that class. So I appreciate your patience this morning and keep praying. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. For more from Jeff Kent and the Shadyside Church of Christ, please go to our website at cfcshadyside.com. There you can access our entire library of Sunday church lessons and Jeff's weekly blog. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Shadyside Church of Christ. Remember, all are welcome. Thanks again. Have a blessed week.